In this video, my special guest and I are talking all about our experiences with the brand new iPhone 12 Pro Max, the size, the battery, and you better believe the camera, what we like, what we don't like, and what we wanna see from Apple next. And we're doing it right now. Sponsored by CuriosityStream with Nebula. I've got just a ton more long-term reviews coming your way soon. So make sure you've hit that subscribe button and bell so you don't miss any of them. Joining me to talk just all things iPhone 12 Pro Max is photographer and design legend and co-creator of the Halide camera app at SDW, Sebastian DeWitt. So I know I wanna dive into the camera. I know everybody watching wants to dive into the camera, but before we do, I just, I wanted to get your thoughts on just the largesse of the Max phone in general. I was on, I lived on the plus models on the 6, 6S, 7, 8 plus as long as they were out. But then when the Max came out, I dropped back down. When the 10 came out, actually, I dropped back down to the standard size. And that was enough for me with the edge to edge display. But I did worry that the 12 Pro Max would be too big, like just physically too big to enjoy as a phone, especially the same year that the mini came out. But I've adjusted to it. Like I made the mental switch that it's a, it's a tiny tablet with an amazing camera and a huge viewfinder. And that seems to be all I needed. Yeah, I, I really feel you because when the iPhone 10 came out, I thought this is perfect size. I don't think it should be any bigger. Actually, I changed the UI of our app to kind of make it so everything was at the bottom because I couldn't even reach the top on the 10. And then 10S came out and I tried the Max and I was like, oh, this is... Not comfortable, I think. <laughs> it lasted, like, at, at most year, I was like, oh, I'm back to the 11, like a normal size. Yeah. And then this year, you know, the, the, I'm such a camera guy, so I, ha- I have to be in the, like, I have to use this big, giant phone. And actually, it's not been too bad. And I do feel like the Mini is like a classic one-hander, like you're talking in sword parlance. <laughs> it's like a one-handed sword. Well, this is a hand and a halfer. Hand <laughs> <laughs> and a halfer, I like that. Maybe it's just like that it feels a bit easy, like firm, like it's more secure in my hand or the squared edges, but, or maybe I've just come to terms with the fact that it is just a tablet basically, yes. but it's, yes. it's uh, in day-to-day use. I didn't, I don't think it's too bad. Or just the same sort of mental leap, because when you think about it as a camera, cameras are not exactly tiny. Yes, that's true. That's very true. Maybe I'm just, at this point, I've just completely surrendered myself to the notion of, oh, I don't have to carry a camera anymore. I have my iPhone. So the net pocket, you know, impact on my pocket and my bag is just much less. And the battery life for me, like I expected good battery life because the Plus phones and certainly the Max phones all had good battery life. And I realized 2020 is not a normal year. I'm not traveling as much. I'm not roaming as much. I'm not in airports with no signals. But the battery, it's it's a day and a half at least. I, I forget to charge it now because like an iPad, I'm not doing it regularly anymore. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I forget charging it. And then for the first time in years, my phone is dead. Like my girlfriend makes yes. fun of me because she's like, oh my God, look at you. I've never thought you'd be capable of like having your phone die. So because I forget after a day, like it's not empty at the end of the day. I just don't charge it. And in the middle of the day, the next day, it's like, oh, oh no, <laughs> battery. The only negative for me so far is the same negative I've been complaining about for the last few years. And that is Apple's been focusing on making the screens more break proof. Uh, and they've been doing their chemical mixing more towards preventing the screens from breaking or shattering. But, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't have them soft enough to not break and then hard enough to resist scratches. 
So every year without fail, when I do the camera test, at some point I'm juggling a bunch of phones in my hand and the camera module from one of them scratches the screen of the other one. And this year it's the, it's the Pro Max. And oh, the no. just took a, yeah, just, it's not bad. I can't see it at all when the display is on, but when the display is off, it's just sitting there laughing at me. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think this is a very classic, you know, app developer slash tech reviewer problem. Yeah, so if you're going to sell it after, like if your plan is every year to buy the new iPhone in part because you sold the previous iPhone, by all means, baby it. But I, I just keep them all, so I'm fine. Same. All right, so enough of the tease. Let's get down to the camera. You wrote one of your classic, brilliant uh, Sebastian articles digging deep into the camera. And I think it was super important this year because especially on the initial reviews, there was a disparity in what people were seeing. Like you had people like Marquez Brownlee and Peter McKinnon who were saying they, they noticed no difference at all in the cameras between the Pro and the Pro Max. And then people like Matthew Panzerino and Austin Mann saying, yeah, the Pro Max cameras are way better. And it turned out that Marquez was shooting, you know, technology in his office and Peter was shooting a Lamborghini at rest while <laughs> Panzerino and, and Austin Mann, well, Panzer was shooting his toddler and mm-hmm. Austin Mann was shooting his puppy. So you had some people with a stationary camera and a stationary subject and other people trying rapidly to acquire a moving target. And that highlighted the difference in the camera well, but you sort of broke broke it down into why that was happening. When people start seeing super different results, that's when I get really curious. <laughs> yes. uh, so I immediately, when I got the, uh, the, the 12 Pro Max, I thought, okay, let's take a look. And I think what surprises people when, I, when you look at my post and I go into that deep dive is I start out saying, we're gonna do a head-to-head with the iPhone 12 Pro and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And they think that with one shot, I'm going to be able to tell them See, here's the difference. Yeah. And it's not like that, actually. I start out saying, I took two photos with the 12 Pro Max and the 12 Pro, and I couldn't see the difference, which makes most people probably go, aha, see, I told you, it's no difference yes. at all. And then I say, well, it's actually more nuanced than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is sometimes um, when they make a leap forward in camera technology, it really is night and day. Like, I feel like the iPhone 7, when they went to better optics, you could get photos in low light, even nighttime, that you just couldn't get with previous iPhones. Yes, definitely true. And there's there's been you know evolutions and revolutions in the iPhone camera. Um, and with the the 11 last year, the 10s introduced smart HDR, and the 11 kind of made that so much better that it almost looked invisible. And so for people there, they really noticed that leap. And this year, yeah, and the wide angle was all new, all fresh. Oh, yeah, the ultra wide is of course a huge deal. Yeah, so that was a that felt like a big revolution in that sense. And then this year, Apple's investing a bit more in the hardware side of things where the software stuff was pretty buttoned up. And people are saying, I'm not sure if I can notice it. And I also worry if the computational photography has gotten to a point where it can correct so much for, I don't want to say optical deficiencies, but optical differences. Mm -hmm. Like Google famously is using the same sensor that they were using three or four years ago, and just the quality of their algorithms has gotten so much better. Apple's increasing the optics and also the algorithms and you, you explained this really well in your article later, but the smart HDR is pulling so much out that it is overcoming some of the, some of the, the wor- is worse the right word? Some of the lower end specs of the, <laughs> of just the pro sensor. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's really interesting because we process what coming, what's coming out of this sensor so much right now 
that that is one of the reasons why it was so hard for people to put a finger on, hey, how different is this larger sensor? And if you just look at the straight out of camera shots, um, for the average person, it's not going to be easy to notice because the results are so processed. In reality, you know, once you start getting into places where that size, that extra signal starts to matter more to the average person, like, you know, night mode in motion, yeah. uh, low light shooting, etc. That's where you really start seeing it. But it also, what a lot of people just didn't see because they just did a very quick test, it really makes a difference on the pro end of things, which is cool. Like we've we've had the, the name pro in the iPhone since last year, but this year yeah. it really there really is a pro iPhone. I think that's a, a big deal because it, like some people think the pro means it's a huge difference, but I think pro often just means it lets you get away with more. Like I know yeah. I shoot in 10-bit, not because it's a pro feature, but because it allows me to correct for like like problems in my exposure or problems in my color way more than I would if I just shot an 8-bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good example of it. Or if you were to be shooting with an iPhone 12 Pro or an iPhone 12 Pro Max, it might be that as in, you know, if you're just using the camera app and you're taking quick snaps, it might not immediately be evident how much more you can yeah. get out of the sensor. But then if you use an app that takes raw photos then suddenly you find yourself taking a single frame shot, which, you know, skips some of that computational smartness. And then suddenly you find yourself like, wow, this is what this phone, this Pro Max can do is is on par or better than one of the dedicated cameras I have lying around. Then it starts being really impressive. And your article really showed that well, because uh, when you removed the smart HDR and the computational effects, the quality that you got off the raw image, the raw data from the sensor was observably better than it was on the Pro. Yeah, I would say as far as to say it was to me, it was really mind blowing. When it got low light, um, normally, just to, to kind of explain to people, if you get a raw file, it skips a lot of these smart steps. And it's not just like mm. HDR, you know, brings out detail in your highlights and in your shadows by combining a lot of shots. But there's also, if you have a tiny sensor, that means there's a lot of noise because you don't get that much light on it. And the less light you have on the camera, the more noise you get. The reason why it blew my mind so much is because it is very tiny and it can do shots at night without really showing much noise. And that means there's a lot of signal there. Now, if the if you don't change the way that the knife processes an image, and I think Apple might improve this in the future because right now that's the reason why it's sometimes harder to see the difference between these two things, yeah. you won't get all that detail out of it. But if you were to just look at the way the camera sees it or you take a raw file, you can see that there's tons and tons and tons of detail in those frames that you don't get on that iPhone 12 Pro. And that means that at night, sometimes you can take a snap without night mode at, you know, a third of a second. Yeah. And you see amazing detail in it because there, there's a couple things coming into play there. That new stabilization, that bigger sensor, that faster lens. And then, you're, yeah, I was very impressed. Do you think it's a little bit over sharp right now? Do you think that they, they can or should dial that back a bit? I think what they can do with the iPhone Pro Max is dial down noise reduction and the image, the, the amount of frames they merge down a little bit to get slightly crisper, less processed shots out of it. Last year, when I was doing comparisons with night mode between the Pixel and the iPhone, what really impressed me was the zero shutter lag on the iPhone. Like I remember taking a picture of my co-host, my podcast co-host, Georgia, at Halloween when it was really dark but had some neon lights. And I took it with both cameras at the same time. 
And a second later, her brother came in and put her, his arm around her. And on the iPhone shot, you just see Georgia, where on the Pixel shot, you see Georgia and her brother because it doesn't do instant shutter. It just stacks the, the image computationally in sequence. And Apple feels like you know, before they would just never allow for any of that. Everything had to be real time or they would literally not ship it you know, until they could get it in real time. Yeah. Where now with the night mode, but also with some of the computational stuff, it feels like they're willing, they still do instant shutter as far as I can tell all the time, but they're willing to let the image build out a little bit to get that better computational result at the end. Yeah, totally. And it's, that must be a really tough trade-off for them to be working on. And they still very much emphasize having real-time preview to whatever the camera is doing, yeah. which is cool. Because I just got the Pixel 5, and it's still, if you take a portrait mode shot, yeah, it's good. But, you know, you take it, and you go to look at it, and it takes two seconds. And then you get a portrait effect. Yeah. Apple's doing this real-time, and it has been for years. I like it because I'm used to taking photos with cameras where what you see is what you get. I know you're yeah. into like rangefinders and stuff, but I still, I still use like the old school cameras. Uh, and what you see is what you get. And I'm used to like, if the ear looks blurry, I'll move a bit to, to make sure everything looks clean. Uh, and that's yeah. how I solve for some of the quirks of portrait mode. I think that's such a great philosophy and it shows just how much like the camera team at Apple has this really strong vision. That's just, you know, the camera should look like what you get. And that's what we're kind of accustomed to, really. That viewfinder should resemble your final result. And then it would be very easy to just say, like, well, Night Mode has to stack all these images, so we, we you can't preview that. That's impossible. And then somehow you just make it happen anyway. What are your thoughts so far on the telephoto? I was initially just enamored with the different size because we were shooting with the effective, was it 52, I think, for years now since the iPhone yeah. yeah since the iPhone 7 plus and now suddenly we have an effective 65 to shoot with and yes the framing is different but also the compression is different like there's less there's less artificial distance between a nose and ears for example yeah and i really like that for portraits and product shots it's a really nice for portrait mode the way it renders portraits now is for for faces and people is much nicer and and to kind of explain how that works so if you take a portrait of someone, you know, take a photo of me, my nose with like the normal wide angle lens, so you get close to me, my nose will be huge and the rest of my face will be tiny. So it won't look, I won't look so yeah. dashingly handsome as I usually do. <laughs> and then the, uh, if you use a 65 millimeter lens, it compresses all that to a flatter result and you get that nice fluttering portrait. In my casual testing so far, that has been so, so nice. The only thing is that you immediately want to use it with night mode portrait mode as well. Yes. But you can't. Yeah. Well, in general, like we gave up some of the speed to get this lens. Like it went from f2.0 to f2.2, I think. And I do miss that. I do miss that extra little bit of speed because I, I love shooting with the telephoto as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I miss the speed a little bit. And in the end, that's too bad because, you know, your iPhone, when it detects that you don't have enough light on that telephoto lens, it'll just swap in the wide angle and it becomes a bit more yeah. noticeable on the Pro Max sometimes. So from the sort of developer side, like when you're working with Ben and with Rebecca on the app, is there anything that's that's particularly interesting to you about working with the um, iPhone 12 Pro Max as opposed to the other cameras in the iPhone 12 lineup? Yeah, totally. I think that this is what's the most surprising thing in my post is um, there is an incredible amount of power in the detail of the sensor that is combined with the stabilization technology. So now we can allow users to take photos of half a second which is just impossible. Imagine trying to hold a camera perfectly steady for half a second or like a second. The iPhone Pro Max can do that. That's pretty amazing. Uh, and it can do that because of this new in-body image stabilization, which you also see in some really high-end 
like cameras. Um, other than that, we're on the cusp now. We're testing, and we have the version in testing with Pro Raw, and Pro Raw is awesome. It's it's Apple finally acknowledging that this is a real camera. It's not just a camera phone. It is. It's becoming a camera with its own raw format, with the ability to pack some of these smarts, like I mentioned earlier. Raw files right now do not have all these smart things like HDR and deep fusion and even night mode. We'll start getting access from Apple to take raw photos with some of those things included, which is very cool. On the IBIS side, I think as Apple calls it sensor shift, it's interesting because I think people are just used to a certain amount of stabilization. But when the sensor is actually like that in-body image stabilization, you may not notice it at first, but things like you you night mode doesn't come on as quickly as it might because it can keep the sensor open for just low light photographs, or maybe it doesn't have to keep, like maybe it'll do a one second or a two second instead of a two or three second yeah. on night mode. So it doesn't have to stack as much. Have you found much of a difference with between the IBIS and the traditional OIS, the optical image stabilization? Yeah, for me, just shooting raw, which I love to use, it's just yeah. really nice to be able to get a steady shot when I'm moving the camera or just quickly picking it up and taking a photo when the sun is in the process of setting or past sunset, uh, and then just getting a lot less noise out of it. And we're actually optimizing our exposure logic, our, our smart raw exposure logic, to favor a little bit of a longer exposure time on the Pro Max now because it can just handle it. And that's not something yeah. that you would have anticipated. I'm still really cranky that Zoom hasn't gotten much better since the iPhone 7. It is like a 2.5 uh, size now, I, that's not really a zoom, that's more of a step in just because you're changing you're changing the effective lens. But other cameras are doing like 5X optical or, or some of them have those really wild uh, periscope zooms that do 10 to 20 to 30 zoom. And I'm not saying I need anything like that, but it, just having more zoom, it feels like that's the big piece of the, uh, of the traditional camera part that Apple's still isn't addressing. They did get way better this year because they started doing, I think, similar to what Google did last year, and that is apply their smart HDR algorithms to the Zoom, everything from HDR3 to uh, Deep Fusion, so that the 10, the, the, the this one is times 12, sorry, the times 12 digital Zoom is way better than it was on the previous models on the 11s. But I would still like to see them optically do a little bit more on the on the Zoom side of it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing the thing that's preventing them from doing that is that they want to have like a really constant quality zoom range through the whole thing and, yeah. and just like seamlessly hand off through that. So I wouldn't be surprised if next year we see a bigger jump made across all the, all the lineup that goes to one new zoom level. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. The only other pain point I have right now is there's no HDR, like no Dolby Vision button in the camera UI. And I, I would love that so much because it doesn't even indicate that it's in Dolby Vision mode when it is. So I always have to go to settings and look to make sure because sometimes I really do want to shoot in 10-bit Dolby Vision. And other times I know that it's just going to cause production problems because a lot of apps haven't updated for it yet. And I just want to toggle it off and get a few quick shots. And it's, you know, like Live Photo got that button. The original HDR for just photographs had that button. There's a bunch of stuff you can, you can turn, you can toggle the flash on and off. And I just, please let me toggle the Dolby yeah. Vision on and off right in the UI. As a designer of a camera app, I am actually very non-envious of the people who have to design the Apple camera yes. app because it has to do everything and yet be simple and yeah. for everyone. You know, it has to be competing with Snapchat, but also with Filmic. It has to be like, but also has to be, you know, the simplest camera anyone's ever used. 
You have to be able to yes. pick it up and use it. So that's going to be tough. So a few weeks later now, uh, after shooting with this for a while, what's your overall take on the iPhone 12 Pro Max camera? Mm. That's a really good question. I, I really, really like it. I probably have the same exact take as you in the sense that I love the 65. I wish it was a little bit longer. Um, yeah. The sensor is fantastic. The size I'm kind of getting used to. I'm still actually kind of scratching the surface as, as to what is possible with this camera. And that is just a testament to how much they packed into this one. I'm still weeks later trying to see, like, then still being surprised by it. But thinking, wow, this is really the quality I can get out of it. Um, I'm just really excited to be building for this camera. As a developer, as yeah. a photographer, this is something where I'm just excited to spend a year with it and get everything out of what is packed in this thing. Um, but for the entire lineup, uh, it's a really good year for cameras. They they have now have the computational stuff in a place where it's almost imperceptibly good, which a lot of the, I know that we're firmly in iPhone land, but in Android land, that's not completely a done deal yet. You just have to look at Marquez Brownlee's current camera bracket contest that's happening yes. to see just how completely different smart, quote unquote, smart processing on cameras, yes. smartphone cameras is right now. Apple's is really nice. It gets out of the way. You almost don't notice yeah. that it's there. That's when you know it's really impressive. And uh, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. And we have to do a lot to get the most out of it. So it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I have much the same opinion. It's just, it's remarkable how far we've come. What I like about Apple so much is that there are some camera phones that have really good optics, but the computational side is not good at all. And others that have really good computational, but the optical side is just not there. And Apple is doing a really nice hybrid of both. Every year they're improving the algorithms and every year they're improving the glass. And yes, it's not big sensor and it's not big glass, but it's big compute applied to quality glass. And I think this year, it's really hard to see, like a pro can appreciate it, but I think their ultimate goal of just everyday photography, like you should be able to pull your phone from your pocket, take a shot and accurately record, not like purely coldly scientifically, but emotionally what you saw. And all these sort of pro advantages that we get on a granular level, they don't have to know or care about. It just gives more room across a wider range. To, like you'll get it in a little bit lower light than you got it last year or a little bit closer up than you got it last year. And you won't notice it. You'll just know that, wow, even more of my pictures are as good as I remember them being. Yeah, totally. And then the cool thing is, it's almost the same. Like I mentioned this in my post, it's almost the same as them packing in that really powerful A-series chip. And people say like, yeah. well... You know, what, what, what is the point of all this power? The same thing is happening with these cameras. Like you mentioned, they're mostly dedicated to just being the perfect way to capture reality as you perceive it for the average consumer. But because there's so much power getting packed in there from the computational pipeline to the actual sensors that they're improving now, that means that that extra space is there for the pros and for the developers to fill in and for future, in the future use cases to be invented uh, that we don't really think of right now. That LiDAR sensor that's in there, there's a lot of applications for that that we probably haven't even seen yet, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it, a lot of times people will dismiss a processor, say it's overkill or you don't need it or it's good enough to have a lower end processor. But the iPhone 7, portrait mode pegged it and portrait mode doesn't peg this at all. And then the true depth camera pegged the iPhone 10 and this <laughs> this is fine with that. And then yeah. the, the, the computational algorithms pegged the iPhone 10s, and just increasingly 
it, while they are addressing the previous issues, giving more overhead, they're using that extra overhead to pack in even more features and more computational. So like you literally cannot do everything that you do on these phones with even the previous generation phone. And I know that annoys people with the previous one, but I think it just keeps pushing everybody forward. That's great. As always, you can find the full extended uncut version of this chat up on Nebula. That's the streaming platform I'm building along with my education creator friends like Legal Eagle, Sarah Z, Ali Abdal, Thomas Frank, Braincraft, Polymatter, so many more. It's a place where we can put up those extended, uncut bonus tracks without having to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of the click-through rate, watch time, or algorithms, or even ads. You can find all of my videos there, just completely ad-free, including Apple Talk, the new weekly podcast I'm doing with Georgia Dow. So what does any of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for just the best documentaries on the internet, they love, love educational content and thoughtful creators. And so we worked out this deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream with the link in the description, not only do you get CuriosityStream, but you also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 26% off all of their annual plans. And 26% off is just the best deal you'll find anywhere. So click the link in the description and get CuriosityStream for 26% off and Nebula for free. Or you can go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational content directly for just $14.79 per year. Just click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. And clicking on that link really helps out this channel. For more, a ton more on the iPhone 12, click on the playlist above. I'm doing in-depth analysis, reviews, and so much more. So click on the playlist and I'll see you next video.